You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome to the show. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home in a simple way to get it, Rocket can. Jerry Harrison Jr. is a longtime major leaguer, a World Series champion with the Yankees, a Dodgers analyst, and graciously making some time for us on the show. What's up, Jerry? Bill, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good, buddy. Real Jay Hair on Twitter. Uh, Yankees... Guardians push back final game of this series to tonight. We've seen a lot of upsets in this postseason. Do you expect another one tonight, Jerry? I won't pull for the Yankees, so I hope not. <laughs> uh, the Guardians have really played great baseball, man. They're a scrappy team. Uh, Terry's done an incredible job with that with those young players. They're very talented. They have a pretty good bullpen. Uh, their closer is absolute stud. So if they get a lead... Uh, they can definitely hold it. So I, I think Yankee Stadium should be rocking. Uh, but I, I expect the Yankees to pull off and, and win that game. Jerry, when you when when you have a long when you have a hundred and sixty two game season as a as a major leaguer, and you're the Dodgers or the Yankees, and you're favored in this case the Yankees, and it all comes down to a single game, right? You have you've been great. You've been at times dominant. You're supposed to advance far, and you have one game. Can you give us a sense of what you think? the mood, the pressure, the excitement feels like for those Yankees players going into this game? There's going to be pressure uh, because they everybody knows they're expected to win. But the biggest key, uh, I know Aaron will, will talk to his players, is execution. You've got to focus on execution. Don't worry about winning the game. You worry about doing your job and execute. If you need to get a runner over, uh, you get him over. If there's a runner on third base, less than two outs, you figure out a way to put the ball in play so that run could score. So you do that uh, with the pitching staff uh, that the Yankees have. They should win the ball game. And uh, if they play good defense, too, they, they put themselves in position to win. Uh, that said, yes, the pressure is there. Uh, nobody expected the Guardians uh, to, to win this series. So they're definitely playing with house money. They're a young team, energetic team. Uh, so every game that they, they, they uh, advance in, they get more and more confident. But yeah, I, I expect the Yankees to, to figure out a way to win this ballgame. Jerry Harrison Jr. here on the show. Uh, Jerry, you, you work for the Dodgers. You're a Dodgers analyst. You, you also played for the Dodgers like you did the Yankees. Obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. 111 win season, historically great season, ridiculous lineup, and they go down to the Padres in, in, in just shocking fashion. For you, as you've had some time to process San Diego's win in that series and the Dodgers' early exit. What are the what are the key takeaways? What are you dwelling on a few days later? Well, I, just listening to the players, you know, they're devastated. The fan base is devastated. Uh, the players are hurting. Uh, just watching that series, the pitching was outstanding. You know, they, they gave the, the team a chance to win every single game. Uh, hitting with runners and scorers, just, I think at one point they're 0 for the last 20. Uh, they really struggled in that part in that department. If they hit a little bit with runners in score position, they sweep the Padres. Uh, you go back and look at the, the series. They won Game One. They're three for eight with runners in scoring scoring position. And in Games Two and Three, if they get one or two hits here or there, they sweep the Padres. That being said, the Padres uh, deserve to win that series. They played really well, uh, especially in uh, Game Four. Uh, they had that one huge inning with five runs. Uh, but, you know, it's just a shame that the Dodgers were an immensely talented team. Uh, and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt for them um, the rest of their lives. You know, I think about 
2011, I think about 2013, the teams that I was on, I thought we, we had the ability and talent to go all the way. I think about that more than I do 2009 and the year that we won it. Uh, when you have opportunities to win a championship, uh, you've got to take advantage of it. And who knows what the future holds? You know, there's a, there's a lot of free agents uh, on, this, on this ball club. You know, obviously you'd love to keep all of them. But realistically, as you know, Bill, that doesn't happen all the time. So uh, this is going to sting uh, for the players the rest of their lives. What do you think that early exit will mean and should mean for, for Dave Roberts? It's not his fault. Everybody wants to point to uh, that one inning. Come on, man. Come on. Could he have kept Tyler Anderson an extra inning and maybe an extra batter? Okay, sure. But Dave Roberts does not put, have a bat in his hands. And, again, I'm a, I listen to the players. You know, I, I, they're a great group. They work hard. They, pl- they play the game the right way. Great group of guys. And I'm hurting for them. You know, I really am. Clayton Kershaw, who's my teammate, I, I heard for him. I, I wanted him uh, to have another chance at another World Series. But, you know, listen to Mookie Betts talk, listen to Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, uh, Justin Turner. I, I agree with them, man. You know, they, they're hurting because they know they just didn't get it done offensively. Uh, it's not the pitching fall. The pitchers were incredible all season long. You're going to have an inning or two where, you know, things are going to go the, the other team's way. That being said, you have to be able to execute uh, with runners and scrummers. There was a couple times uh, we left a couple guys on third base less than two outs stranded. you got to figure out a way to put the ball in play and get that run across. You don't even need to hit to do it. And, and the Dodger players know that. And it's crushing them. They're going to go back and think about game two, uh, game three, I think more so than, than, than game four. You know, game four, it was that one inning, but that's going to happen. That's baseball. You know, things are going to happen for the other team, but when you fail to execute and you give a team extra outs, you give a team extra opportunities, uh, like the Padres, who are a very talented team, they're going to eventually take advantage of it. So it's not Dave Roberts' fault. I don't want to hear it. You know, uh, he did an incredible job. Push comes to shove. You have to be able to put the ball in play and, and execute and get runners in in scoring position, and the Dodgers weren't able to do that. So, you know, maybe they go back and revisit their hitting philosophy, you know, and what you, you want to do in the postseason as hitters. Uh, what's your approach? Maybe revisit that because, you know, over a course of 162 games, your talent's going to overwhelm teams. And more times than not, you know, 162 games, you're going to win 100, 105, maybe 111 wins like the Dodgers did this year. But when you get to a series, five games, seven game series, uh, you have to make adjustments on the fly. And if you look at what, what the Dodgers did, they weren't unable to make adjustments. I'm Bill Ryder. We're talking to Jerry Harrison Jr. here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Jerry. So, so Dodgers, you noted, 111 win season comes to an end abruptly. The Atlanta Braves were outstanding in the second half of the season and they were phenomenal we all thought would be dangerous against the Dodgers and the NLCS they lose to the Phillies and while you and most of us expect the Yankees to win tonight they could lose one game to Cleveland and be out there could be a scenario where three of the favorites go down to teams including the Phillies a team that wouldn't have been in the playoffs last year in the old format to what degree and I know it's sort of somewhat guesswork but you played do you think the new format with the time off for the teams that that get that that initial buy 
is disruptive enough that, that maybe it, it has a real impact on their performance when they get around to playing baseball again? You know, it, it, it does have some impact. You know, players aren't used to having five days off, especially everyday players. You know, three, three days off is usually the all-star break, uh, but it is a little different. You know, that being said, you, this is the format, man. Uh, this is the format. You can't make an excuse. Uh, is it difficult? Sure, it can be difficult. But on the flip side, you have a chance to set up your rotation. You know, you get a chance to set up your number one, number two, and number three stars for the for the postseason. And then if you're banged up a little bit, you have a chance to recover, regroup, press a reset button. So you got to be coming coming out guns a blazing and, and be ready to play great baseball. Uh, is it different? Of course, it's different. I know it's not that easy. But this is the format that that uh, that Major League Baseball has set up. So, guys and teams in the future, uh, if they continue to have this format, they have to figure out a way to stay sharp, uh, keep your edge for those five days. Jerry, the the Phillies won. If I'm if I'm if I'm remembering right, 87 games. I don't think a lot of us expected them to be on the brink of a World Series. You noted the Padres are a talented team, but no Tatis Jr. And they were I don't even know 22, 25 games behind the Dodgers and the and the NL West when it all was said and done. Now one of these two teams are, are, are going to be in the World Series. Who do you like in in this series between them? I have to go with the Padres, man. I love the, the, the Phillies uh, lineup. I mean, you know, I know Harp. I know uh, Kyle Schwarber, great dudes. Uh, Kevin Long's their hitting coach, who's done an incredible job in his, in his first year there uh, with their offense. They have enough pitching to win the series, no question about it. They're an energetic type of guy, uh, type, type team, um, a lot of passion. I, they're fun to watch. I love Gene Segura as well as a player. I just think the Padres are more built for the postseason. If you look at their starters, especially one, two, and three, they have stud starters. Hugh Darvish has had an incredible season. He's a guy that's been there before, uh, knows how to pitch in the postseason. Uh, Blake Snell, as we know, he's pitched in the World Series before. A uh, guy that can be on. When he's on, he is dirty. Um, and they just have one, two, and three, and obviously they're – their ace who helped knock out the Dodgers, Musgrove, uh, one, two, and three, they can run up with anybody. I think that is the secret, or the, I should say the recipe for winning baseball. Bill, you know this, being a lifelong baseball fan and covering the game for so long. When you run out one, two, and three stud starters, that helps your bullpen. You know, if you can go deep in the ball game, that helps your manager, Bob Melvin, run out. Okay, this is my seventh inning guy, my eighth inning guy, and my ninth inning guy. And the Padres have that, and they, they swing the bat enough, you know, as we've seen in, in, in the, the games against the Dodgers. So I would give the edge to the Padres. But the Phillies, man, they're a scrappy team. I wouldn't be surprised if they win this series. Because, you know, this season it has been crazy <laughs> with, with the teams that are in it. It is crazy. Jerry Harrison, Jr. on the show. Uh, Jerry, I, you are a big Dusty Baker fan. You think the world of him. The Astros – just sitting around waiting to see who they're going to play, whether it's the Yankees or it's Cleveland, particularly if it's the Yankees, do you still think the Astros are the favorite on the American League side to go to the World Series? No question about it. You know, Dusty does an incredible job with his team. You talk about the layoff. You know, Dusty always makes sure his team are ready to play and perform and and are ready for their opponent. So, uh, you know, Dusty not only is able to get these guys ready to play, he always gives each individual player 
a certain edge, you know, going into a game, going into a series, going into the playoffs. So the Astros are a talented team. Um, I know Altuve, I believe he was 0 for in the LDS. I think it was 0 for 16 in the LDS. They still won. You know, that tells you what kind of team they have. Uh, I think Altuve will have a better uh, ALCS. Uh, they swing the bat. Um, do they have the pitching like they had in the past? No, but Dusty does an incredible job mixing and matching. Uh, they are going to be favored, and rightfully so, whoever comes out of the, the Yankees and Guardians series. But that said, Matt, the Yankees come out of it. They have the thunder in their lineup with Aaron Judge, it's a healthy stand to, to give them problems. And if the Guardians come out, uh, they will be playing with uh, house money once again in Terry. Uh, does an incredible job rallying his troops. So it should be a fun ALCS. Jerry, before I let you go, I'm just going to give you a shout-out. I play a lot of tennis in my in my spare time um, and fairly competitively, you know, for, for, for a middle-aged, overweight dude. And um, I just kept running out of energy, and so I, I, I pulled up my notes, and I found that shake you recommended years ago. A shake is the wrong term. It's like a protein. So I'm going to give the recipe out in about 10 minutes. But, dude, that thing is great. It is a game changer in terms of energy level and feeling healthy before I go and have to do something like play five sets. Well, Bill, everybody asks me how I was able to be below average base- baseball player for 16 years. That shake helped me be a below average baseball player. But I was able to, to survive for 16 years. You're right. It's energetic, it's healthy, and it keeps you in good shape. It's unbelievable. It's, I, I got back on it like three weeks ago, and I, had, I crushed this guy. He's like, What's, what happened to you? And I, I go, buddy of mine, gave me a secret weapon. So I'm going to share it with the audience in a second. Uh, Jerry, great hearing your voice, man, and all the insight. Appreciate you as always, pal, for, for jumping on the show. Anytime, Bill. All right, buddy. Jerry Harrison Jr. on the show. DSOM Series. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this out. I'm going to give out the recipe. It's not going to sound good, but it is it, my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter asked me to make it. She thinks it's a chocolate Now she knows. But she used to think it was a chocolate shake. It's, inc- it's a game changer for, for energy. I'm here for it. I need the energy. I am ready for this. All right. We're gonna, I'm going to put it in buy or sell. I'm going to say buy or sell you think this tastes good. I'm going to give you the recipe. and It'll be on the podcast version of the free Odyssey app. So you can just you know, bookmark this, this episode. Go back. It's so good. We're talking protein shakes and buy or sell uh, next here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Writer Than You. Google it, goggle it, goggle it, doodle it. It's Writer Than You with Bill Writer. Come on. I don't understand. Right. What are you throwing your hands up Yeah, for? yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to do mini reviews soon because I've got the She Hulk, I've got Me Time, and I've got the Rings of Power lined up, ready to go. Are you ready? Sounds like a hump day special for tomorrow. Are you prepared? No, I'm never ready for your movie slash TV show reviews. Never. You love them. What should we do? Let's do by ourselves. What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. After Sunday's home loss to the Jets, Aaron Rodgers wanted to make things easier on offense. What do you need to do? Simpler. Simpler. Simplify some things. Simpler. 
Yet his head coach, Matt LaFleur, doesn't seem to be on the same page as Rodgers, at least when he met the media yesterday. Matt, were you uh, surprised to, to hear how much Aaron wants to simplify the office yesterday? Uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Buy or sell the Packers offense improving as the season goes on. I'll buy it, but let me ask you this. Hi, buy. Bogus. Bogus, buy or sell, you think Aaron Rodgers actually knows what he means. Buy. You do. Buy. I, I think he knows what he means. I think that Matt LaFleur respectfully disagrees with what Aaron Rodgers thinks about the offense. I just think Aaron Rodgers, he's normally worth, the juice is normally worth the squeeze, but it is a little tired. His, I got to blame somebody. I got to be passive aggressive. It's the receivers need to focus or the coaching staff needs to not be so complicated or I'm going to monitor what the guys are going to say. I'm over it, guys. That's what I heard when I heard LaFleur say, I don't know what that means. And obviously we can't see LaFleur's face, but he had a little smirk on it. Like, I think that was like Rodgers preseason blaming the young wide receivers. Now that we're a few weeks into this thing, blaming the complicated offense. Yeah. I think he's exhausted by it. This is going to be one of those guys that whenever he's not very good at football anymore, the knives are going to come out in terms of reporting, leak stories, comments people make. I don't think he's as popular as he likes to believe. Can I just – all right, I'm going to – Bogus, I'm going to give you the, the, the Jerry Harrison Jr. Super Protein Shake that I've been drinking again for tennis. Game changer. Buy or sell you think this tastes good? Sell. Okay. Oh, sell. don't – got to listen to the ingredients. Mm. Wait till we get to the end. Oh, I'm sorry. Chocolate almond milk. Okay. Like half an avocado. This is like a, like one big drink. Half an avocado. Mm-hmm. Handful of kale. Maybe two bunches. Okay. Handful of spinach. Ooh, we're doubling greens. All right. A lot of blueberries. Key part of the thing. Okay. Um, A whole banana. Okay. I'll throw in some strawberries, like five or six strawberries, or if you're feeling kind of crazy, some raspberries. Mm-hmm. And then two big scoops of almond butter. Oh, you and know And then what? ice optional right. if you want it cold. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my answer if I'm allowed to. I'm going to buy that. Buy. Game changer. All kinds of side benefits health-wise. Mm-hmm. And it gives you... So one of the things that was weird about me is when I, when I would run... I used to run half marathons. That's over. Play tennis now when I play hoops. Whatever I try to do competitively... I have to have a full meal in me in order to have the energy. I know a lot of people can't do that. Like, I can eat two whole things, huge bowls of pasta, 30 minutes before tennis, and that's what I need to have the energy to make it through tennis. Oh, that sounds horrible. It's a weird thing. Like, I went and had In-N-Out Burger the other day, 20 minutes before a tennis match, and just crushed because I had the energy. If I, I have a really fast metabolism, so if I don't have food in me, I get dizzy, I take bananas with me. But I don't have time to always go to In-N-Out Burger before right. you know, or, or make a pos- a whole meal. Because you shouldn't go to In-N-Out Burger prior to playing tennis. It worked. I'll do the chocolate shake, too. I'm not afraid. There might be a little bit of a stomach thing the first game, and then my body's like, oh, it's his energy. Yeah, once and I puke mid-first set, away I go. Then we're good. I also I'm, I come with, like, three bananas. I'm just chowing bananas in every ch- – I, 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 this shake – Gives you the energy without feeling full. It's a, it's a mate. Can have it for breakfast. Can have it for lunch. Energize, right? And that's what he starts his day with every day. I think he does start his day that way. Yeah. All right. It tastes like it's, it's so good. It's shockingly good. Although it turns out I didn't know this. 
kale can go bad pretty quickly in your fridge. Mm. So what you don't want to do is open the kale and shove your nose in it to see if it's still good. Yes. Because odds are it won't be. A little cheat code for you there. A little life cheat code. Any chance you would drink this, D-Cell? None. Okay. None. I had, my, I had my finger over the cell button the whole time you had the ingredients. I'm shocked Bogus bought it. Blueberries, bananas, strawberries, almond butter, which is really good. Chocolate, milk, basically. Oh, and then you, does the kale scare you, little boy? No, yeah, we're, mixing, we're mixing milk and avocado and kale. No, no. No, thank you. No, thank you. What do you think is in a protein shake? I don't it's have mi- protein shakes on a regular basis. I can tell. No, that's not wow. True. No, that's not true. Wow. See? You're yoked. See? You're yoked. No, I no, didn't say it. You're going to be at me tomorrow, was, and he said that. That was not me. Maybe. That was wrong. I can't tell. You look great. I'm going to move on. Do you know your sweater blends in with the wall behind you where it looks like you are actually paying off the bet? It is kind of a green screen effect here. Yeah. All right. Yesterday, we mentioned how the Panthers kicked out wide receiver Robbie Anderson from their game on Sunday after he was seen drawing with a coach. On the sidelines, well, yesterday Carolina took it a step further, trading Ari- trading Anderson to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, Arizona made that trade after their own wide receiver, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, suffered a foot injury. Now, Carolina received a 2024 sixth-round pick and a 2025 seventh-round pick in the deal. Buy or sell the Cardinals trading for Robbie Anderson. I mean, I'll buy. I, I understand. Buy. Even though the GM and the coach in Arizona have new contracts, they're relatively new con- they're under a lot of pressure bogus buy or sell with or without Robbie Anderson the Cardinals because <laughs> because they're I know they're two well, they're two and four but every other team in that division is three and three or three and three I think right so it's yeah buy or sell the Cardinals can can you know it's possible it's a 40 percent range or higher they will turn their season around I'm gonna sell that sell I guess my thing is, like, did they really need help at wide receiver? They're going to get Hopkins back. And do you want to trade for someone that was just screaming on the sidelines at his, one of his wide receiver coaches? There is desperation in it, but I think, I mean, they're not going to win through defense, right? And, and so, and they're not going to be able to say it's Kyler Murray's fault because they gave him all that money. So I think you have to pretend, oh, all we need is more weapons. Right. And uh, what's his name? Hollywood Brown did get hurt last weekend, so they do need a wide... And might be out for the years. They do need a wide receiver. But, yeah, when you're already one of the biggest disappointments trading for a guy who just got kicked off his sideline doesn't necessarily make sense. Uh, Now, to be fair to Robbie Anderson, I'm not sure this is true, but it doesn't it's not as if carolina is a super functional organization and well run i mean not that it's okay but you who who knows what i view with my judgment on him is somewhat limited as compared to if it were with the steelers or the patriots or some well run team so you're buying him calling third down the money down and he should be on the field for the money down i'm just saying that dysfunction begets dysfunction and that I think there may be shared responsibility for the for the debacles. <laughs> You've been waiting to say that with a straight face. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. All right, on his Let's Go Serious XM podcast yesterday, Tom Brady discussed his rant to his offensive line on the sidelines on Sunday during Tampa's loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a bad day when there's more F-bombs than touchdowns. 
The only reason why I'm doing it is to try to motivate them and try to get us to a higher level. You know, if I don't feel like we're living up to the expectations and playing up to the expectations that we're capable, then it's that's my job. You know, I'm a quarterback. That's what my job is to try to get us going and to try to rally us. And there's a lot of ways to do it. And sometimes it's getting on people and trying to raise the level of the sense of urgency and raising my voice and trying to create a different vibration for the whole offense. Buy or sell Tom Brady can get back to his winning ways in Tampa Bay this season. He sounds so sad, doesn't he? I'll buy. I got to tell you. Buy. He can. He's Tom Brady. When you started to read that, I don't know why. Probably I'm a bad person. What I thought you were going to finish with, I thought you were going to read it this way. On his Let's Go podcast yesterday, Tom Brady wept for 45 straight minutes. (laughs) On Jim Gray's shoulder. (laughs) You guys are harsh today. Harsh. Oh, man, Tom. I'm just trying to put a different... I'm, I'm not trying... I mean, that's... Personal life stuff is awful. I, I shouldn't... I shouldn't laugh or make light. But, but also, he's just... Also, it's sad. It's not the first time we've seen him, you know, dropping curses on the sideline to yeah. one of his teammates before, but now he's not winning, so now we're really highlighting it. Yeah, I don't mind the swearsies. You, you can bring the swearsies and... Uh, I mean, he used to scream at his offensive coordinator, right? So, like in New England, that that would have happened Sunday, married happily or not. Like that's I don't I don't think that's because they were. I mean, they were losing to the Steelers. He's allowed to be angry as much as I hate hard. that screaming voice. Yeah, but it's hard to before. <laughs> so I think that's a really good argument. That yeah. if it was somebody else, we would be destroying him or her. But Brady gets basically a pass. I mean, I think like these guys aren't used to being held accountable and, and context mattering. That's the context for Brady, and the context for all Aaron Rodgers' criticisms to me is you didn't show up for some of the voluntary workouts that your young receivers did. And if you thought the big issue with your offense this year was your receivers getting in the right place and you pretend you're some sort of leadership, then you should go to those OTAs and you should be a part of the process. Like, You can't have a standard that is that high if you're not willing to meet it yourself, even if you are Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. All right, after their win on Thursday night against your Bears, it was revealed that Washington quarterback Carson Wentz was dealing with a finger injury. Yesterday, Wentz underwent surgery on that finger and is expected to miss the next four weeks. Buy or sell Carson Wentz's injury ending any chance of Wentz having a rebound season this year. I know this one because I was helping my daughter study for her math test. Any number multiplied by zero is zero. Since he never had a chance anyway, I buy. Buy. You know, if this is a you know a seven on the scale of problems times zero is still zero. What would it take to change the national narrative around Carson Wentz? Like, honestly, like, what would he have to do? If he joined the Clippers and lived in an NBA championship? No, no, I'm sorry. If he joined any team and stopped the Bucks from making the playoffs like you predicted? I didn't say they wouldn't make the playoffs. I said they would be an early exit. I mean, I, what would... what would? Because it just feels like it's too far le- gone at this point. Leading the commanders to the playoffs. And, you know, it's something like 25 touchdowns 13 interceptions or even 15 interceptions, but but some really big games and some really big moments and some really big throws. That, I think, would have changed it. I mean, me. this guy was going to win MVP before his knee gave out in Philadelphia. He's got to do that to me. 
Kings wow. have that kind of season. Because anything else, that what you just said is a, is nice numbers. He needs to do that in order to not be the, the, the laughing stock of the NFL? Yeah, because if he just throws for 25 touches and 13 picks, he's going to, people are going to say, eh, no big deal. Do it again. Well, but what if he does? Then at that point, do- that's not fair. Well, it's what's be, fair got to do with it? He'd still also be in the net negative because he'd have like one and a half good seasons and like three years of crap. So he'd still be needing to catch up. That's why I think he needs like MVP season, conference championship game. Like he needs to go all out to stop being the butt of jokes. That's how far down the hole he is right now. Do any of you believe there's even a one in twenty chance he can do it? Because I do not. I mean, it's hard for me to think that it's just that that talent is just all gone. But he's on his third. I mean, two teams right. are paying for him to not be on their roster. Yeah, and his head and coach just blamed him flat out last week for them being bad. Quarterback. Yeah, and the first team that got rid of him is doing really well without him, with a guy in Jalen Hurts who was a question mark in terms of what he could be in the NFL. Yeah, think about the way Jalen Hurts has surpassed Carson Wentz and. To a measure that's not even debatable. They're not even in the same sphere. All right, let's get to some college football here. It was another ugly game for Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame on Saturday as they lost to Stanford at home 16-14. to The Fighting Irish are now 3-3 three and three on the season. My question to you, Bill, buy or sell that no matter how bad it gets this season for Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman will be back next year as the head coach. Let me ask you guys a related and awful question I don't want the answer to. Do you do you guys think Urban Meyer would take that job? Yes, of course. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and he'd win there. Another reluctant, yeah. Yeah, he would. And by the way, Marcus Freeman still might. I mean, this is what happens when a guy gets his first head coaching job at Notre Dame. Yeah, but you, you can't go chance. under five. It's, you can't yeah, go under five hundred at Notre Dame. Like that can't they, happen. I should remember this. But I don't. But they did. Ju- he did just land a huge recruit over the weekend. Like some kid, a committed. running back. Yes. Yeah, that's a. I mean, it's one guy, but he he still re- he, he can recruit. I mean, you just have too much talent. It doesn't Notre Dame's like USC or Texas? It, it doesn't matter where you are in your program. You have enough talent that if you're well-coached, you win. If you're exceptionally well-coached, you win at a high level. So, at this point, they're poorly coached. They, well, they, they are poorly coached. But, but what we don't know is if he can be a good coach. You know, like, that's what, what you just said is why you shouldn't give a first-timer yes. the Notre Dame job. And I'm sure we had this conversation. Yes. Listening to the players feels right for athletic directors but it's often they're often wrong. They might love the guy. It does not mean he's a good head coach. But we just don't know about Marcus Freeman because he's brand new, learning a position at the upper echelon of the industry. But if you get drafted by the Cleveland Browns as a quarterback, or you get promoted to the big leagues, you get fast-tracked by a team and you're not ready, or whatever other comparison you want me to make, or you're um, David Carr and you get sacked 183 times in your rookie season because there's no offensive, whatever. And you get ruined, right? Your confidence, those things happen, and mm-hmm. it's unfair. It still is what it, right? It still is what it is. I'm with you. It's too bad this guy wasn't the coordinator and then didn't go and get a job at, you know, Nebraska. That might be a bit of a stretch. No, at Bowling Ooh, Green. That's exactly yeah. right. Bowling Green. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And 
be able to make... I had a guy once, it's a different thing, but a, a, a famous columnist who I like worship, a guy named Clarence Page, just right for the Chicago Tribune, who I went to a speech he gave once, and it stuck with me, and even in this job. He talked about how when he first became a columnist, when that was a big thing in newspapers mattered, that he was on page 12. And for two years, he's like, I made mistakes, I wrote stuff I shouldn't have, and nobody... I could fail a little bit under the radar because it wasn't the, the main focus. And I think that applies in situations like this. It, The ability, the first time I did radio, I did it on weekends and nights. I once did a 20-minute segment where I thought I was off the air and just like thought I was talking to my co-host and criticized a famous NBA person thinking I was off the air. And the guy afterwards, the guy's like, that's the best radio I've ever heard. I'm like, was that on the air? Point is like, nobody heard it. I just... You're right, Andrew. I just think he might have already gotten a point where he can't succeed at Notre Dame. And if that's the conclusion you draw, you have to move on quickly, right? You're Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, and you can write whatever checks you need to write to make it. Oh, Urban Meyer. And, and then if it's Urban Meyer, but I I don't know. We just got done yesterday talking about Harbaugh and patience at Michigan. I think, I think the patience of year two is warranted but at he, Notre Dame. He had, I mean, Harbaugh had a track record. Of excellence. What's his name? Who got fired from Carolina? I mean, would is that would would he take the Notre Dame job? Matt Rule. Oh, oh, oh! I don't know. I thought. Was, yeah, I blanked on his name. No, I, I thought we were still in college. So I was I like, mean, wait, is that when he'd take the job? But like, is that is he highly coveted enough that Notre Dame would consider? I don't think so. I think in college he's highly coveted. Yes, even at the Notre Dame level. Yeah, I don't think he'd be their first choice, but they would. I would think that they would gauge his interest. I mean, the problem is, and I've heard people, I don't cover college football full-time anymore, but people that do have come on this show and just other places said, Notre Dame's not going to hire Urban Meyer, but I don't think anyone's going to admit to hiring Urban Meyer. I think they still might. That's my nightmare. That's my fear. If they wanted to, they'd figure it out. You look like you're bursting with something you want to say. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm just thinking between Matt Rule and Urban Meyer, like I think that one's no contest. Like I don't I don't know that Matt Rule is elevated to the spot where Notre Dame would gauge his interest. He took over, he did a great job at Baylor, but when he got there, they were at rock bottom. There were no expectations. It's different to succeed at big time college football when the expectations are through the roof. He's sort of a Bill O'Brien model. Takes over a program that's in dire straits that is history, does great, goes to the NFL, fails. All right, game one of the NLCS gets underway later today as the Padres host the Philadelphia Phillies. And over in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles are the only unbeaten team remaining. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, the expectations for the 76ers are through the roof this year with Joel Embiid and James Harden being together for a full season. My question to you, Bill, buy or sell that Philadelphia right now is the sports capital. Ooh. It's kind of a, well, I mean, look, sell, I think. Sell. You can make a case for New York. The Yankees, if they win tonight, are still in it. The Nets, I know that New York doesn't claim the Nets, but the rest of the country associates, you know, Brooklyn with, with New York City. The Jets and the Giants are both excellent. Blue Shirts are doing their thing. That's all I, that's all, that's all, that's all I got. Blue shirts are three and one, by the way. Yeah, they won last night. They scored six goals. They're pretty. I'm good. following it. I haven't watched any yet, though. I gotta like. I almost bought the package the other day, and then I didn't push click. That's smart. Yeah. I can give you the Cliff's notes. Don't worry about it. Cliff's notes? Did you say Cliff's notes? 
Yeah. Isn't it singular? Isn't it cliff notes? I thought. Ooh, I maybe? think I finally got him on one. I know I'm right. No, no, about no, this. no. You give me the cliff notes. Cliff, cliff gets them done, and then we. You... you should Google it, guys, and I'll sit back and wait for your reaction. <laughs> oh, no. I got another one wrong. <laughs> I did too. It is. It's. It's Cliff's notes, but everyone does say Cliff notes. But it is Cliff's notes. Now I don't know if it's a possessive thing, but it's definitely Cliff's notes. You think it's like Cliff from Cheers, or like a cliff that you fall off? Like where does Cliff? Yes. Yes. Both of those falling off. On to Cliff from Shears. I really thought I had that one. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, we're going to do NBA bets. We got the Cliff Notes version after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogish. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, welcome back into the show. It is Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio. Thank you for listening and being here. The Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union, who proudly serves the Armed Forces, DOD, veterans, and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. On Sunday, the Falcons' defense held the 49ers scoreless in the second half and route to their 28-14 win in the process. Atlanta forced three San Francisco turnovers. Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by the Navy Federal Credit Union. Uh, I'm excited about the NBA season being here. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rock and roll. And, and Cell, one of the things that I'm really excited about is getting some money back on the line in the NBA. So do you, you want to do uh, just I know we have a little time. You want to do a few bets here? Yeah, we can do some NBA bets. Why not? Let's do bet writer. Bill makes the tough picks so you can fade accordingly. It's time for bet writer with Bill. All right, so I've actually been on a run in my little gambling thing. I bet a bunch of money on Russell Wilson over 13 half rushing yards yesterday won a bunch of money on Barcelona against Inter, even though they lost last week. But I'm going to scale back how much I'm betting here. I might even go half a unit for me, Diesel, just because I think the NBA season's really easy to bet on come 20 games in, 15, sample size, hard to gauge early on. So all that said, I love Philly tonight, plus two and a half at the Celtics. I do think the Celtics are going to figure it out and be great, but it's their first time in a game that counts without Ime Odoka. He is suspended for the year and facing the possibility of being fired. I like Philly a lot, and my big concern on the Sixers is postseason performance because of Doc Rivers. I think they're going to be at the top of the Eastern Conference. They're two-and-a-half-point underdogs. I think there's some value there. I think the benefit of being at home somewhat goes away with the Odoka stuff. Give me Philly plus two-and-a-half. Uh, in related news, I like Embiid over 26.5 points. I told you this earlier in the show. I think Embiid is likely going to win the MVP. I can't vote bet on that because I vote for that, but you should. I think there's value in Embiid as the MVP. Uh, Lake, the late game, Lakers or Warriors? I'm not sure, D-Cell. Lakers are eight-point dogs. I don't think they're very good. But LeBron is going to be prideful against Steph Curry. He could take over the game for sure. We don't know how the Draymond thing is going to affect them. So I'm actually going to go over 224.5. Last year's Warriors team, their, their average games was 226 points total per game. I think there's a chance they're going to be explosive offensively because Clay and Steph are out there. Hard to know what Jordan Poole's going to do. And again, I think LeBron's going to have a big night. So I like the over in Lakers at Warriors. And then I got LeBron over 27.5 points. Again, I think he's going to have a huge night. There's always a risk with that bet that he's going to feed the rock to AD to get AD going. I think that's possible. But I'll err on the side of LeBron's pride as it relates to his competition legacy-wise with Steph overriding that. And then I got a fun little four-team parlay for you. Ready? You want to get into this? Oh, yeah. Opening night. I like it. 
I don't usually parlay the same bets that I make, but I'm just going to do it because only two games. LeBron over 27.5. Poole over 17.5. I think maybe they'll feed him the rock a little extra because of what happened. Draymond may force some passes to him. Actual passes, not not shots. Uh, Philly plus two. And Embiid over the 26.5. Let's go! The LeBron and Embiid ones, those those seem like small numbers to me. Those seem they, like gimmies. I think I think a lot of it is how excellent each of those teams they're facing are defensively. The Celtics are great defensively. And you would imagine whatever's going to change with the Celtics, with a new head coach, an interim head coach, defense will remain the same. That, that, that athleticism and effort and, and just the tinkering probably won't change very much. And the Warriors tend to be great defensively, assuming that... that Draymond doesn't punch him in the face. I guess it's going to be a thing. I didn't know if I was going to make a lot of jokes about this this season. Apparently, I am. It's only night one. It's only night one, bro. There are some good games this week. We've got. Is it Bucks Sixers or Bucks Celtics on Thursday? I believe. There's some good. It's Bucks Sixers coming up Thursday. Some good games. I think the Lakers are going to be a disaster this year. I almost bet on the Warriors to cover the seven, but the first game, you just. It's no wear and tear yet. And I think a lot of the frustration. LeBron is a walking hangover for everyone around him when things don't go well. That angst isn't going to be game one. It might be game four. I've seen it, I've covered it. But I think, like, some of the frustration for the Lakers won't kick in for a game or two. That's it, that's the show. Thank you to Tom DeCelestino, who reminds me his nickname is Pretty Daddy, and he wants me to say it more. So thank you to Pretty Daddy Diesel. Thank you to Jerry Harrison Jr. Thank you to Andrew Bogish for correcting us on Cliff's notes with an S. And thank you for listening. I'm Bill Ryder. We'll see you back here tomorrow on CBS Sports Radio.